is Notorious P.O.D. The name's John Bass on this M.I.C. I brought a couple man alongside of me. I got Gary Roy Smith in the place to boot. We got murder stats and guests galore. You know we're talking real hip-hop folklore. And we're gonna cover all the goddamn classics. Notorious P.O.D. We're gonna smash it. Peace! Stardom these mm. days. How are you finding that? Yeah, I'm enjoying it. To be honest. Good. Best well, mates. Yeah. Well, hello and welcome to Notorious POD. Um, I'm your host, John Bass. I'm joined once again mm-hmm. by my best friend and Ricky Gervais's best friend, Gary Roy Smith. Definitely. Like my tweets, though. Yeah. He's liking a lot of tweets. He's he? liking a hell of a lot of tweets. But that wasn't why I did it. Yeah. I mean, I, I genuinely felt I was compelled to, to tweet about it. Afterlife, this after, is, isn't it? Afterlife. Well, and, and Derek. Stuff. Yeah, but Afterlife, I thought was really, really good. It's really good. Fucking dark though, isn't it? Yeah, times? savage. Shit. It is savage. But yeah, if you like Gervais, um, you'll like it. But yeah, Gaz was getting cheap thrills from Ricky Gervais liking his tweet. Um, but I think, well, some guy was like, "Oh, I'm just gonna say Ricky Gervais and hashtag Afterlife in a tweet to see if his bot um like retweets and likes this." But then he replied back directly, going, "Did not compute." Brilliant. So I think he is like is checking him. himself. Yeah, yeah, which is pretty cool. But he's. he's he must be spending a lot of time on his phone at the minute. Yeah, but I guess, like, he hasn't got a job, has he? Like, he's just a millionaire and makes yeah. shows, and then what else you can do? Sit around and have a laugh. Exactly. Um, besides that, mate, you good? Yeah, very good, mate. Very tell, good. Us, tell us about what happened when you are on your way here to record um, this episode. Yeah, typical my luck. <laughs> so, so obviously my luck. I was on the way in an Uber, um, went into Black Horse, uh, Black Horse Road, is it? Mm. Station. And um, realised that the train was going to be another half an hour, so I jumped in an Uber was waiting at some lights and some geezer crashed into us at the lights. <laughs> and I got a call from Gaz. I was like, you right, mate? You close? And he went, yeah, nah, um, we've had a crash in the Uber and now the guy's kicking off, so I better go. And I was like, oh, fucking hell. Yeah, so I thought I was going to get stabbed for, for one minute. Yeah, a bit, bit of London knife crime for you yeah. and a little visit yeah. down. Always yeah, good. exactly. Um, just a quick shout out to Thelonious Filth for our last episode, uh, Ready to Die. Really well received, got a lot of good feedback about the episode. So um, thanks very much for T for, for coming on. It was really good to have him. And um, yeah, Gaz, obviously you, you missed it because you were ill, mate. But what did you think listening back to the episode? It was a good one, right? Yeah, it was brilliant. I wish I was, um, wish I was a part of it. And it would have been a great opportunity to meet T as well. Mm. Yeah, shout out to you. It was, it, was, it was a really good podcast. And great to hear like from someone who really lived through the era yeah um like we always say you know we're always looking looking backwards but it's nice to actually hear from someone who lived through it mate definitely i I think that's one of the i mean t brings a lot of um good knowledge and insight but i think that's one of the most interesting things is like yeah his his kind of view from it from a uk perspective someone that's actually living through the times um, of of kind of what we talk about, so it's yeah. really I think it's really great to have him on. So not yeah. calling him old or anything. No, like no, no. He's he's a he's a very youthful man. We'll just leave it at that. T. Um, okay, so now for um, a relatively new feature, the street report. Just what's going on in in the kind of old school hip hop world at the moment. Uh, we lost Five Dog on March the twenty second, uh, two thousand sixteen. So it's the anniversary was this week. Mm. Um, I know we did uh, Tribal Quest. Yeah, first one right? was one of our first yeah. episodes. Yeah, so. I mean, his legendary status is secured, um, and we've spoken about him many times, but yeah, I mean, he's just a legend, isn't he, mate? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting, actually, on this episode, you know, we're effectively focusing on a hip-hop group, and mm. let's just say that a tribe were 
you know, well up there in terms of hip hop groups and movements. Yeah. And I think Fuji's were one of one of those one of those groups as well. Yeah, it's a good I show. Think it's fair to say. Um, so it's interesting that it comes along now. I guess we're doing that. Yeah, it's a good show. I think like Tribe probably set like the benchmark for yeah. a lot of groups and that kind of came after. Definitely, so. Mate. Yeah, it's a good show, mate. But so, no, what a rapper! What style? Like you know, when we talked about it on the Tribe. Yeah. On the Tribe one. Just um, so recognisable. So yes, yeah, definitely. Stuff like definitely. Uh, it was also DJ Premier's birthday this week. Legend. What a hero? I think it pretty much. Well, there's a couple of exceptions. Pretty much every album we've covered. Premieres like yeah, <laughs> featured or yeah, it's come up in the story. Him. There's a pattern for Yeah, him. I mean, we've, we've said a few times that he's got to be considered at least sort of in the top five greatest producers in hip hop history. Primo, yeah. and, and maybe we should maybe look at doing a little special on That's him, why. just like on his productions. Cause we should just do a special on when we you and I went to see him. At, um, oh my it? god, yeah. Where, where did we go to see him? Oh, fucking Scarlet or something? No, no, I can't remember now where it was, but yeah, it was fucking mad. Yeah, it was incredible. Fabric. Yeah. Fabric, was, yeah, yeah. He was, he was late. And he then played a five-hour set. Oh, we had to mate. leave. Do you remember? Cause it was fuck, It was a work. It was a school night, wasn't it? <laughs> it was like a Wednesday night. Yeah. And he got there late, and he was just like, "Oh, I'm just going to play until they tell me to stop." And he was like, "He was on for four hours, and we left." Yeah, and he, he like the the um the, the way in which he he went about the set was just like ultimate yeah. tempo and like so much um, passion and yeah. stuff. It was like. It was unbelievable. It was like such a great live DJ. It was amazing. Like he was just rinsing through records and not in a, like I've seen Jaguar skills. Yeah, uh, no, we no, went it wasn't, like, it yeah, wasn't yeah, like that it where it's like literally that. 10 seconds and it's gone. But he was, uh, it was more kind of like you got the, the gist of a song and you know where there's always that element where it's like, okay, this is done. Yeah. He just had that sense to go, right, let's just move it on to something yeah, else. Yeah, and it, it was just, it was amazing. And Royce, the five line was on that That's uh, right. as well. That's right. Yeah. Which, which was, was great to see him as which well. Which was great. And uh, Maestro, the UK rapper was yeah, there yeah. as well, My Sticky. So yeah, it was great. Um, also, just a shout out to uh, Cal, regular listener of the show. Also, um, the Below the Belt podcast. It's a boxing podcast if you like boxing definitely check that out uh you recommended to me billy danzine's uh new ep from mop okay um it's called six pack had a listen to it this week it's really decent yeah um it's, it's kind of what you'd expect from um, mm. billy dance it's, it's really good definitely worth a listen so shouts to cal for recommending yeah, sure. that um also just to let everyone know if you listen to this we are going to be recording um our first in a new series of like bonus episodes which are essentially going to be bringing the Notorious P.O.D. style to some other related genres. So grime, R&B, neo-soul, soul, UK hip-hop, etc., etc. Um, we wanted to do that because we feel that um, there's so many other albums that people like um, that are from different genres that they love hip-hop, but they also love these, and they're kind of mm. closely connected in a lot of ways. Um, so we're actually going to be starting with Kano's Home Sweet Home album. So that's going to come out a couple of days after... Uh, this episode goes up, so like watch out for that. It will just come on the same feed. It's still part of exactly the same thing, so we're not like branching out. Um, it will just say bonus instead of a regular episode. So watch out for those, and we're going to get some hopefully some really interesting guests to come on and talk about the albums that they love from those genres. So keep your eyes peeled for that. But for now, we're going to get stuck into the Fuji's second album, the score. Unbelievable classic material. Unbelievable. Um, why why did we pick this one, mate? Um take you back to 1996 mate yeah um actually i'll tell you a story uh it's quite funny um it's going to appeal to one of our listeners that listener's going to be nick keen actually. Keno. um 11 years old i'm walking down um a little little uh quiet uh, English village street. What sort of hair are you rocking back then? I don't know, mate. I must have been. I must have been rocking the curtains. Oh, there, shit. Like, I must have been rocking the curtains. 
And um, my two year, my, my brother, um, who's two years older than me, um, mm. he was best mates with a lad in the village called Dean Stoughton. Big up Dean Stoughton. Dean Stoughton, yeah. And um, Nick Keane will know who that is. He actually used to live in the pub, which was a pub called the Green Dragon in Gravenhurst. <laughs> Some real like insight into yeah, the village this, life. Yeah, this is hip-hop village, right? Yeah. Um, and essentially, I, I, I don't know, they were playing football um, in the car park of the village, and I'd been somewhere and I was walking past. But what Dean had done is he'd set up his speaker system um, and he'd turn the volume up so high that they could um, hear the music whilst they were playing football in Great. the pub car park. Great. And what was playing? Killing Me Softly yeah. um, by the Fugees. And so um, that was my first... Um, yeah, introduction, that was my first to, introduction it. To, to the school, and um, yeah, I mean, he was he was definitely too young to be listening to the school at the time. Yeah, but you know what? It was like killing me softly was was just the one, wasn't it? But yeah. I don't know, man. It's just it's for me. It's such um, a nostalgic um, hip hop sound. Yeah, um, it was the probably the hip hop album that kind of introduced me really to to hip hop at that point. Yeah, it was ninety six a... was a big year for music generally. Yeah, but, but yeah. Um, Killing me softly. Yeah, it was it was a massive, um, and we'll talk about this a bit later on. It was a massive crossover album. Like okay. it really like penetrated like popular culture, and yeah, took like a hip hop sound and made it really accessible. And like, I don't think there are many people or many acts in hip hop that there are sort of people now who are our parents' age who go, oh, I love that record. Yeah. Like about a hip hop record, but there would be, um, you know, like particularly Killing Me Softly. As like a crossover Definitely. record, so yeah, it's, it's really interesting. No, okay, it's, it's, it's so great. So yeah, great. it's classic, and yeah, like you say, so nostalgic for people mm-hmm. at our age. I Definitely. think for sure. Okay, well, look, um, we're going to get really deep into the score, but first of all, we're going to give you the the murder stats um, for the Fuji's the score. Uh, for those of you that don't know, and if you don't know by now, like, come on, seriously, like grow up. Um, this is basically where we give you all the important stats and facts for the album. Uh, and then you are up to date. So let's get into the murder and stats. And now for our feature presentation. Exactly. These are your murder stats for the Fuji's The Score. The Score is the second and final studio album by the hip-hop trio Fuji's. Released worldwide February 13th, 1996 on Columbia Records, the album features a wide range of samples and instrumentation with many aspects of alternative hip-hop that would come to dominate the hip-hop music scene in the mid to late 1990s. The score's production was handled mostly by the Fugees themselves, with additional production from Salam Remy, John Forte, Diamond D, Warren Riker and Jerry Wonder. Upon its release, the score was a commercial success, peaking at the number one spot both the Billboard 200 and the top R&B hip-hop album charts respectively. The singles Killing Me Softly, Fuji La and Ready or Not also achieved notable chart success and helped the group achieve worldwide recognition. The score was certified six times platinum, and in 1998, the album was included in the Source's 100 Best Rap Albums list. And in 2003, it was ranked number 477 on Rolling Stone magazine's list of 500 greatest albums of all time. The album won the Grammy Award for Best Rap Album at the 39th Annual Grammy Awards. It produced four singles. Fuji La, released December the 13th, 1995. Killing Me Softly, released May 1996. Ready or Not, released September the 2nd, 1996, and No Woman, No Cry, released December the 5th, 1996. Those were your murder stats for the Fugees, The Score. So those were your murder stats for The Score by the Fugees. 
Um, anything standing out for you there, mate? Anything shocking? Sure. Well, no, not not shocking. Not just not unsurprising. Yeah. Six times plat. I mean, that is serious. Serious sales. Serious going, isn't it? It's unbelievable. And I think you know you mentioned as well, right at the top of the the stats about you know who created the album. I mean, it was really, mm. really, it was a very small team mm. that actually sort of put that together. Yeah. There's and a hell of a lot of feeling, I think, in the album. Yeah. And it was only their second studio album too so um you know i think considering that um yeah uh amazing success off the back of such a huge small team that created it in in a basement yeah in a boogie basement as well it went um it went worldwide didn't it the album like the singles were massive like particularly i know we spoke about at the start of the at the show really but um like killing me softly was yeah. just huge like it was everywhere and that that really did i think like elevate them to like worldwide status and um again tribe uh they used the tribe sound yeah from bonita applebaum and the the drums like very similar to a bonita applebaum yeah it's good shout shout. and so you can you can really hear a very similar pattern there yeah and um yeah bonita applebaum's a tune by the way but no um (laughs) the score um sorry killing me softly is just yeah just unreal yeah massive and like you said it's like quite a small team but the 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 actual quality like at at the time i guess they weren't household names but obviously like wycliffe as a producer on his own has gone on to do some amazing things um jerry wonder and wycliffe together have gone and done loads of stuff um selim remy's produced for fucking everyone including like nars and amy winehouse and like these huge artists i'm sure he made killing me softly i think i think he was involved in that yeah um and diamond d again just like another legendary like hip-hop eye so you know, it's it's quite interesting about like the kind of production side and and um, yeah, like obviously like Wycliffe as a producer has like gone yeah. and done bits. Without wanting to jump the gun, mate, mm. do you rec- do you hear New York in this album? Like, do do I? Um, yeah. a, a little bit, but I I was thinking about this in terms of like the sort of overall sound, and we mentioned in the stats about like the production yeah. styles, kind of a bit of a shift away from like kind of traditional boom bap hip hop. And a lot of the samples to me were very like sitar, like Indian influences in there. And they were kind of, yeah, just a bit of kind of Eastern sounding. Yeah, sure. And so, yeah, it, it did kind of take it away from like feeling like a particularly East Coast record. And it did seem to like elevate it to like a different sound. Definitely. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. I'd agree with that. Yeah, totally. It's really interesting. But really yeah, different influences on there. Definitely. And we'll, we'll, like you said, we'll go into a bit yeah. more detail about the production um, a bit later on. Um but yeah, so your like kind of overall feeling about it, like I guess like mine, is very like nostalgic, and it was kind of yeah one of the biggest albums I can remember that was hip hop from when we were growing up. Um, when did you like first? Um, you mentioned obviously like hearing it, like the first song. But when did you really like get the album and start listening to the album in its like entirety, mate? I remember I remember having the CD, and it. I had that particular CD for so long. Yeah. It was one of those ones that was like kicking around in my CD wallet, you know, and mm. it was like all scratched up and stuff and it was fucked. But unfortunately, like, mm. you know how CDs just go in, in time. Yeah. So I had that, like, I'm pretty confident in saying it was my first hip-hop album that I purchased. Pretty sure it was. Yeah. And obviously at the time, was much younger than I should have been to listen to it. Yeah. And there's, there's quite a lot of... Um, dark stuff on there yeah I mean it's drug related content killings that kind of stuff there's a lot of language on there as well Um, so yeah you know it's like I was lucky to have it but I Mm. must have been I don't know 
like say 11 12 years old yeah yeah to have it. which is funny and i think this is what we're like it kind of bleeds into what we were talking about earlier which is that because the singles were commercially successful it yeah. kind of felt like the fujis were a bit soft yeah like that they were a bit poppy but the rest of the album and there's like tracks in particular which i will get into hard like it's it's what we talk about all the time like street reporting it's stories it's gritty and grimy it's not fluffy all like and the skits are so real aren't they it's grimy as hell they're kind of comical as well in some like some cases yeah mate totally what's um, your um yeah what's your what's your favorite tracks mate after this album um without touching the obvious ones um i love um how many mics yeah i love um, the mask. Yeah. Um, but for me, I think it's the same for you, mate. For me, it's family business. Yeah, mate. All day. You basically named. So I, mine, the family business, Fuji La, and how many mics? Um, yeah, Fuji La. To be fair, is, is but that was one of the singles. Yeah, yeah. So you know, and and by the way, I think that um the no woman no cry, um the Bob Marley and and the Whalers dedication. I mean that that is such a well done mm. remake of No Woman No Cry. It's yeah. so so good. A lot of people hate that though, don't they? Really? Mm. Like, mm. That amazing. A lot, a lot of hate out there. But I guess it's because if you touch anything by sure. there's a certain level of artists that isn't there. Like if you touch a Michael Jackson cover, yeah. if you touch a Bob Marley cover, like these revered artists, it's it's very dangerous territory because mm. even if it's the best thing ever, yeah sure. People are gonna be like, well it's not as good as the original. Yeah. So it's it's tough. But um didn't Lauren go on to like date Bob Marley's some, she was married some. to, uh, I want to say Ziggy, but I Some. don't know if that's 100%. She did, didn't true. She I think she was she married to him, yeah. After Wycliffe, I think. Yeah. Yeah, so that's an interesting thing. Like, you know, the whole Wycliffe and Lauren Hill thing. So we'll, we'll get into a bit more about kind of what happened to them um, as a group. Because, yeah. like we said in the stats, this was their second album. The first album was a massive flop. Like, absolute shocking flop. They got dropped, I think, from their label. Uh, and it all was looking pretty bad for them mm. um, as a group. And then the second album was like the polar opposite, <laughs> yeah. massive worldwide success and, and absolutely incredible. But um, but they, it, they owe a lot of that to John Forte, I think, don't they? Well, they I think is, they, that, is that fair? I think so. Mm, I think they owe it a lot to other people that believed in them. Uh, and also, to be fair, I mean, I've heard Praz talk about it uh, on the Combat Jack show, RIP, um, before. And he was basically saying that he um, he kind of really believed in like Wycliffe's genius mm. and Wycliffe really believed in Lauren's genius and they kind of like were pushing each other and they knew they had something but they couldn't quite get the right fit and then all of a sudden the score just comes together and it's just like yeah next level amazing but what um wasn't it wasn't the score about Praz and Wycliffe pushing Lauren out there really I mean, she she was mm. the ultimate star on the album, wasn't she? Let's yeah. be fair. But then, so I'm not, again, I'm not taking anything away from mm. the other the other guys, but she just like that album's about her. Yeah, I I'm guess. Sure, like the score is about Lauren Hill. Yeah, but then I guess uh, it's it's probably easy now because we know how things ended. Mm. But like when I've heard Price talk about it before, it's like Lauren Hill wasn't a rapper. Basically, there was another girl who was friends with Lauren Hill, and Wycliffe wanted to have a girl in the group to make a three. And so Praz was like, okay, fine. Uh, and then my understanding is from memory that Wycliffe found this girl and that she was originally in the group and then met Lauren Hill and heard her sing and was like, if I can get you to rap, like this would be fucking incredible. Okay. Okay. So he kind of encouraged her to start rapping. Okay. And then she, I think, just became like 
the, the quality kind of started to come through yeah, in, sure. in her ability. And I think it's one of those things where I don't think there was an intention to go, well, let's use this as a vehicle mm. for your solo project or my solo okay. project. I think they all went into it with the intention okay. of we're a group. Yeah. But I think it's one of those things, mate. It's like cream rises to the top, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, they, and they her kind talent, of pushed her out there a bit, I think. Her talent was just like... Yeah. For their, you know, for everyone to see, and it was fucking mental. Oh, mate. And, and you know, again, just just going back to a previous question that you asked me, mate. Um, I'm pretty sure Lauren Hill was the first female rapper I've ever heard, and she'll never be beaten by anyone else in terms of female rappers. For, yeah. For my to my personal taste, yeah. she's the best ever to have uh, existed in my view. Yeah, I mean, she uh, as a just as a rapper. I genuinely think she uh, would be, for me personally, would be in a list of best rappers. Forget male or female. Really, really? Yeah, okay. she's that good. And I, and I, and the reason I say that is because, so a lot of lot of rappers where, so with females, female rappers, there's a lot of uh, it's a bit of a cliche, really, but there's a lot about like rapping about being female, and actually in her lyrics, like she doesn't really, there's not really much where she's rapping about like her body or her sexuality it's yeah, sure. she's just rapping and being a rapper and yeah. talking about stories and talking about the street and talking about things she's experienced so from that perspective i feel like she's very genuine as an artist rather yeah. than being cynical about cuz she's like she's an attractive woman let's be honest yeah, she is, so, and yeah. she could have easily yeah, gone down that route yeah. and she's she's chosen to go down the artistic route and also I just think her wordplay and her like rhyme schemes and delivery and flow and everything she's got it's better than so many yeah, rappers. Definitely. And so I love it when she switches from rapping to singing. I mean, it's amazing. Like when she does that on the score, it, it really makes me just go, oh, it's just such a good way to deliver. Like, Mate, it's amazing. And yeah. her on, on Family Business, there's that, and I've seen Fire and I've seen Rain, yeah, and she sings it, at, and then just, just goes back mind, in. Yeah. yeah, yeah, It's fucking mental. Like, it sounds yeah. amazing. It does. Yes. Uh, and then, obviously, her solo career is just like, well, that first album, Miseducation of Lauryn Hill, again... <laughs> Some of the lyrics on there, like from a rap perspective, just fucking brilliant. Like, yeah. she's an amazing rapper. Yeah. And Lost Ones was about Wycliffe. Yeah, which is an interesting thing. So, yeah, you, yeah. you, you kind of said to me about this. So, what was the, the background of the whole Wycliffe and Lauren thing? So, um, yeah, so basically, um, I've, I've seen a couple of, I've, I've seen it before, and I've seen a couple of things written since that essentially. Uh, it's all rumour mill yeah but um, Praz was one of the people who really knew Lauren from like a reasonably young age mm. he was more like a kind of brother or let's say you know like a little bit more of a father figure I mm. think to, to Lauren and then obviously there was a there was the triangle of, of Praz Wycliffe Lauren Hill and they were having a secret relationship yeah because Wycliffe was married at the time that's right mm. was, was he married I yeah, think he so was he, married yeah I think Wycliffe. he was married right and um, so they were having they were having a relationship, but obviously they, for the benefit of the group, mm. they didn't want it to be public knowledge that that was that was happening. But in the end, it was that that kind of rocked the rocked the boat between sure. them. I think because I think Wycliffe, I'm not sure if if um, I'm not sure if Lauren Hill fell pregnant or something. Yeah, there was something about that. So yes, it's an amazing dynamic in that that could even happen yeah. within a group. I mean, that was ultimately what led to their down like downfall because they ended up not speaking for years yeah and I, um, I don't know what the situation is now yeah i, I believe the but, song x factor okay yeah uh, is about wycliffe and okay. lauren hill's relationship and right. if you listen to the lyrics um then you can kind of understand a little bit more about her mindset mm. um 
yeah, it's just like, it's an amazing song anyway, uh, X Factor by Lauren Hill. But yeah, if you listen to the lyrics and, and know that story, it really does make it a lot more um, kind yeah. of poignant, really. And, a, and a, a quote from Wycliffe just come into my mind, actually, and that's that basically he's, I read before that he says that the miseducation of Lauren Hill, um, he doesn't, he's not able to listen to it because it's basically yeah. like a, a story of their relationship. Yeah. That's what he said. Yeah. He, he said that at the time, whether or not he's, he's retracted that since, sure. but he definitely made that statement. Which makes sense because, again, if you listen to the album, there's so much pain in yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. And all the skits are about, like, love, what does love mean? And it's about, yeah, it's kind of, there's a lot of tracks on there that are about the complicated issues around love and the idea of relationships, which right. is really interesting. Right. So. Yeah, mate, it's, it's just a, it's a fascinating kind of element that two, in my opinion, like musical geniuses can get so caught up with each other that yeah. they kind of end a group over it. And I, I feel really sorry for Praz because by all accounts, he was trying to just keep them all together and was, was the kind of linchpin between the two of them. And he was kind of the brains, if you like, in terms of like keeping them on the right path. Definitely. And the other Definitely. two were like the creative geniuses. So it's yeah, really that's interesting. Right. That's right. And I think he just let them sort of crack on with it. No, no, mate, no. for sure. But um, did you, I don't, I don't know if I pointed it out, mate, just quick. Um, when uh, the Fugees released their first album, obviously, like you said, it, it didn't, it struggled. It yeah, didn't do so well. Well, they were performing it, and that was when John Ford actually went to see the Fugees. Just oh, picking right. up what you said on the musical genius mm. element earlier, uh, he rocked up to this venue, and um, it's on the the Praz documentary. If you haven't seen it, it's on YouTube. It's really good. Yeah, it's what's, well it, what's it called, mate? I can't remember. Um, if you just type in Fugees, the score um, documentary, we'll tweet out the link from yeah, the yeah, no it's worth it's worth watching. Um, but basically, he says, yeah. Um, he rocked up to this venue where Fuji's were performing and he was like, this must be like a, a rock group or something playing here because there was just shitloads of instruments on the, <laughs> on the stage and he was like, this isn't a hip-hop act. Like, yeah. I must have got this wrong. And he, go, like, he goes up to the security guard and he's like, excuse me, like, have I got, like, mm. is this, are the Fuji's playing? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, you know, they use all of these instruments. And then he was like, fucking hell, this is a serious like um, yeah. different take on on you know hip-hop i think that's really interesting that's, that's cool yeah. that's wycliffe apparently wycliffe can play like yeah like 20 instruments anything. and he speaks like six languages yeah that's right yeah he speaks swedish like so fucking random. he's he's like genuinely genius. like a genius yeah and you, you know his his humble beginnings right yeah like, yeah i mean grew up in haiti, haiti yeah, yeah and, and didn't know english didn't you know i mean create just spoke creole or yeah. whatever and like or french or whatever and it's like yeah that's incredible like he's obviously an incredibly smart guy he's just someone who's got an incredible gift oh mate no no doubt about it like the guy is um incredibly like mm. talented like yeah. it's um yeah it's amazing really that he's you know like been able to create all those things and the music that he's done afterwards has always been amazing like yeah it's pretty pretty Definitely. crazy just another like weird little fact that's just popped into my head i'm just trying to check it really quick because you know sometimes you think of stuff and you think I don't know if I've just made this up yeah, or yeah, where I, know, I pulled yeah. this from, um, but I'm pretty sure that um, the Fuji's actually supported Biggie um, okay. in his early days, which is really random to me. But I think that's I've just checked it out. Yeah. If, if I've got that wrong, I'm sure you lot will let me know on Twitter or whatever. But yeah, I'm pretty sure the Fuji's um, supported Big like early early doors in his career and, and theirs. So that's kind of quite okay. interesting as well. Um, just going into face, so we're talking about our favourite tracks, and we mentioned how many mics. Um, I said to T actually, I did the Fighting Cock podcast with him this week that we were going to do this album, and straight away he was like, "Fuck, I need to send you this link." 
Um, it's a Red Man Freestyle from uh, Bad Boy Mixtape. And it's just entitled Red Man Freestyle, mixed by Stretch Armstrong from right. Stretch and Bobby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and actually uses the same instrumental from How Many Mics. Okay. Uh, it's well worth a look. So we'll, was it from we'll the Stretch and Bobby show then? No, it's, no? it's just a, okay. a Bad Boy Mixtape, okay. right, but yeah, Stretch yeah. Is, is mixing it. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's this Red Man Freestyle over How Many Mics instrumental. So. Right. Uh, it's it's really worth a listen because it to me it sounds like almost like a different instrumental because right. he's really brought something different. Right. So um, yeah, cool. we'll tweet the link out to that because that's really fucking cool. Yeah, do it. Um, okay, so let, look, talking of production, um, what are your what are your favourite um, like kind of beats and instrumentals on this album? Um, how many mics? I love the way it it hits as it comes in off the off the intro. Yeah. Um, that sound. That yeah. as you get the transition, there's like yeah. a really high pitched, and then Wyclef's like pick up your yeah, microphone. It's like a like uh, a full so almost. Yeah, isn't it's it? like a really. So I love it, and then it just it's just one of the most rolling instrumentals like you can you can listen to. Yeah, like to me, it's just like. It's it like it feels good like yeah. in your like in your ear if you know what I mean back like do, do you know what I mean yeah I'm gonna play a bit in the background while you're talking mate yeah um, and it just rolls and the beat is just unreal for yeah. me yeah it's like whale noise that yeah. <laughs> And the way they like layer the vocals when like Lauren comes in there, like yeah. you gotta have high high pitch and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so Lauren so Lauren's first and then she kinda does the the chorus. Yeah. And then Wyclef's first comes second and then they do the, the chorus together. Yeah. Which I really like the, the pattern and the yeah. style. And like the first track that comes in on the album it really is like the ultimate blend of, of all three yeah. together and yeah. I think that's like that really sets the tone for the rest of the album it's a good showcase isn't it of definitely. their abilities definitely um, yeah so that that instrumental was great and then um, yeah family business instrumental again is like I really enjoy just the way it's kind of a bit of a roller with like the guitars kind of like strumming and, yeah. and kind of playing through like um like yeah, just is that Spanish? Yeah, yeah like Spanish guitar, the, the, the quick guitar. guitar. Yeah. <laughs> Again, drums, but a lot more punchy. Yeah, this, this is the best album. Yeah, this is amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, cool. So the, the, I think instrumental-wise, the, there's loads of good instrumentals in here. Like yeah. the "Killing Me Softly" um, instrumental was um, like. A bit of a classic, yeah. Um, and then ready, uh, or not. ready or not is amazing. You know they got sued for that. Like, yeah. Really well, that's the problem. Is that was around the era when the sampling kind of culture was starting to get a bit kind of shut down already at that point because yeah. a lot of these kind of companies wanted their money basically, and yeah, exactly. these are, these hip hop artists were trying to. And there's a lot that. of samples on this album. Yeah. The flamingos sure. one is is great. Yeah, zealots. Zealots. Yeah. Fucking amazing. Um, um, yeah, they got three million um, fine oh, for the. Um, the ready or not thing yeah. and it, you know that um they put it out um and basically the reason why they they knew that they, they'd obviously ripped the track right? yeah, yeah and it was ripped from um an enya yes so, enya enya yeah. i can't remember what it's called though yeah, so it's some weird random name. Yeah. and basically Pras was like who the fuck's gonna know that we've used it <laughs> yeah it must be really obscure it yeah. must be like some random song some fucking irish Bird yeah. Enya or something, so they ain't yeah. gonna know. And obviously, <laughs> but he didn't understand that she was a massive, massive in Europe. Yeah. <laughs> and then people said, "Yeah, you've ripped my track." And um, three million, they got, oh, they got done three fuck. million US dollars. 
and base it again on that price document, he was like, yeah, so that was that cost me one million US. Like, because well, they, yeah. they split everything three oh, ways. Shit. Crazy. Um, so Crazy. Right, let's... Um, Let's yeah. Let's have a <laughs> let's have a quick break, mate, and then cool. we'll come back. And I've got I want to talk to you about the skits on this album. Uh, I've got a little quick quiz, quick fire quiz for you. Uh, talk about our favourite lyrics, um, and then um, yeah, bit a little bit about the singles, and then we have got some questions, some listener questions, some good ones. So stick with us, and we'll be back very briefly. Peace. Oh, mate, he's genius. Right, welcome back to um, Notorious P.O.D. We are talking Fuji's The Score. Um, I just want to talk to you guys about the skits on this album. And there's a couple of things. One, when you look at the album, it doesn't say, like, skits. They're just on the end They're or the at the end, start right. of tracks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, when I first bought this album, and I'd listen to the singles, and I was like, all right, I'm going to put this on. I used to listen to it all the time. And then there was a good, like, gap of a couple of years where I stopped listening to the album and it was yeah. in my, like you, it was in my CD collection as just a classic. And I, we both used to work in a call centre. Uh, shout out to Telefocus. You worked there longer than I did. I did, I worked there for quite a while and I got to the point where I was like supervisor and one of the things you could do is they had like a speaker system in there and you could play music very quietly through the, the speaker system. So I stupidly was like, oh, Oh, I've got um, the Fugees. And again, this is what we were talking about earlier, which is like, you kind of just think of the Fugees as being a bit soft and a bit safe. So I was like, to the like, manager, like, oh, I'm just going to put the Fugees on. She's like, yeah, great, go for it. Fuck. Put it on. And obviously, like, a couple of tracks in, and there's just mental skits. Yeah, and they're yeah, so, they're, they're, like, much louder than, like, like the there's one. There's one where there's, like, the, I think it's at the start of No Woman, No Cry, or it's at the end of the track before, and it's, like, about like murder and stuff on the streets and stuff yeah. like that and there's like loads of screaming and they're talking and about fighting and, and, and like let's go like, let's go outside fuck. and it goes mental and this was on just blaring out yeah, in yeah. a call centre and um, yeah I got in quite a lot of trouble for that <laughs> <laughs> it was a fucking nightmare um, not so, as much trouble as I got in in that establishment yeah do you want to tell that no, real quick no I don't oh, right I'll tell it's it it's really uncomfortable I'll tell it why would I want to tell it I'll story? tell it so basically where we used to work <laughs> this is fucking genius Gaz used to be the little golden boy like teacher's pet there they all loved him and he was really good at it and basically there was a system like it was all automated and we used to have these little headsets and sometimes when you click to end a call, it wouldn't actually like end the call. So it would like drag for a couple of seconds. So we used to unclip our um, like little connections. So, so there was just, no risk yeah, of no, you being heard. No risk of you being picked up. So there was sometimes a delay with the screen. So when you clicked it to say it was an answer phone, for example, um, the screen would disappear. So you think that you weren't being recorded it anymore. So you wouldn't bother unclipping. You just, you just carry on because it had gone to the next call and it was just dialing. Uh, one day, Gaz gets called into the office, and they say, mate, we, we need to um, talk to you about a complaint. And Gaz is like, well, I've never had... You, this is how it went, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never had any complaints. And I'm like, no, we're, we're really sorry. It's quite bad. Basically, um, we've had you on a call from an elderly couple, and there's been a message left on their voicemail. And essentially what had happened is, um, Gaz and some of the other lads were just having a conversation, like just being crass, like ignorant young lads. And all you can hear on this voicemail is it just cuts in, or like from the beep, and just goes, beep, did you fuck her? And then there's just silence, and you can hear a few people giggling in the background. And then you just go, did you finger her truck? <laughs> and then it just goes silent again where everyone's laughing. And then you just hear that, oh, fuck, and then click. <laughs> And obviously these old dears just complained, didn't they, oh, mate? Oh, mate, it was terrible. And they fired me on the spot. On the spot. And they just basically kicked me out. <laughs> and it was, I'll never forget, it was pissing it down the rain. Right? Yeah. 
and um, it was like one of these like office buildings so it was just like like glass walls all around and so everybody was just there just like yeah. laughing at me and I was just outside in the rain because I didn't drive like, at the time <laughs> and I had to phone my mum and I was like mum I've been fired and can you come and pick me up and basically like they wouldn't let me yeah they had to squat you off the building yeah, yeah they wouldn't let me be in the in the building so they chucked me outside in the fucking rain like a stray dog and um, <laughs> my mum come and picked me up and I was like devastated because I really liked everyone there. yeah and I was just like fuck and you're doing really well there mate and then that that, that happened just yeah typical absolutely brutal that classic Gashmet curse that's sort of one of the early days yeah, of where it started, where it started really. and now it's just in Ubers getting crushed into so yeah, good times um, do you want to do a quick Fuji's quiz I'd love to mate Okay, these are these are very easy, mate. But I, th- I thought I'd take it easy on you just to um, just to frighten. Hopefully, nothing will catch you out too much. Um, question one: "Killing Me Softly" was a very famous cover, as we all know. Yeah. But do you know which artist the original track was from? Was it A. Ella Fitzgerald, B. Nina Simone, or C. Roberta Flack? Um, no, I actually was when I was researching this. I was like, shit! Like I wouldn't put my house on those. And yeah, I had they're, to really, they're, check not, they're not easy. It's the kind of question you get on eggheads, by the way. Mm. Good shout. Mm, um, yeah, it's like a typical, difficult one. Mm. Oh, is really Gashmit going to be. Because it could be any one of the three. Really. Are you going to be more like... Kevin or more CJ? Mm. Mm. Definitely more Kevin. Yeah, Fucking for sure. Hate CJ. Yeah, you're, you're much more a sensible sweater wearer than mm. Kevin. Mm. Um, now, I'm going to say. Um, I don't think it's Ella Fitzgerald and will rule her out. Okay, gone. Um, Roberta Flack. Roberta Flack is correct. Yes. Well done, mate. In the back. But it's a weird one, though, isn't it? Because it's like, it's so famously a cover. Yeah. And it's just kind of like, well, yeah, I, I kind of forgotten that it was Roberta Flack. It's, it's been covered by so many people, isn't it? Yeah, mate. Classic. Um, number two. Yeah. Where are the Fugees predominantly based? A, New York, B, New Jersey, C, Chicago. Oh, okay. I, I, I was surprised to... I thought I was going to say New York. Mm. Um, but the fact that New Jersey is in there, I'm going to say New Jersey. It is, on the back I, streets of Dirty Jersey. Yeah, exactly. But um, I thought I might catch you out because uh, there's a lyric that um, on the streets of Shy town don't play. And it, oh, right, and okay. Thought my, maybe I thought you might thought it was Chicago. Yeah, no, no. The, the, the back streets of Dirty Jersey. Yeah. Pras. Exactly. Um, and finally, I told you this was an easy one, mate. Uh, what was the Fuji's first album called? The one that bombed? Was it A, Blunted on Reality, B, Dirty Jersey, C, Refugee Status? Um, the other two options are quite believable, um, but it is Blunted on Reality. It is, mate. Well yeah. done. Yeah, um, I was thinking to myself, it's one of them, like, if someone had gone, what was... Um, the Fuji's the score was their second album. I'd have been yeah. like, yeah, obviously. And then if someone gone, what's it called? Yeah. I'd have been like, fuck. Like, I'd... Yeah, because the Fuji's short for refugees, right? Yeah. Um, and you know that seems to that seems to make sense. Yeah, I tried to lure you in with that. Good shot, mate. Yeah, and the, the dirty the, jersey because it's like followed up from the previous question. So how about hundred percent? Hundred percent score. Well done. That's an A star. Well done, mate. Yeah. First A star I've ever got in my life. Congratulations. Still didn't stop you getting fired from a call centre. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so we talked right at the beginning actually about like Tribe Called Quest setting the foundation for groups that were a bit more um, experimental in hip hop. Mm. 
where do you think the Fuji's actually rank, like in hip hop history? Because they were absolutely huge. Like they really did cross over and they became massive. But like, where do you like? Where do they rank in like hip hop history in terms of groups? Because they're a bit different, aren't they? Like, I don't know. They don't necessarily like. They never get mentioned that much. But but isn't that because of the controversy on which they split? And also, they didn't have the. Did they really have that like? Stay in power. They didn't really, did they? Mm. Well, we don't know. Like they might have. But two albums, mate. You know. I mean, and then after well, that, one, they, one of no, one that was one no. of no, and then after that, they they broke off and went into their own sort of solo careers, yeah. and respectively, they had decent, yeah. decent solo careers aside from Pras. Yeah. But you know, it's not like it was necessarily, uh, you know. Yeah. I mean, um, Ghetto Superstar, for example. Yeah, it was a bang. Absolute tune. Yeah. Absolute tune. So. Again, obviously very mainstream, etc. Fine, fair enough, shoot me. But at the time, I was, I don't know, like 14 or 15 or something. Oh, yeah, mate, that at the time. Superstar was an absolute banger for us back then. But no, um, answer to your question, question, mate. I think, in fairness, right up there, um, in terms of movements. Yeah. And especially because of the humble beginnings. I think the album itself, the score... Um, you know, has real feeling, yeah. um, and it's one of those albums that's made with um, so much passion. Like you can feel the the passion from the album. I I believe. Yeah. And I think the album has more staying power than the group. I I believe. Um, yeah, I agree with that. And it's just unfortunate. I think you know the 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 controversial breakup. You know, the internal relationships probably were a little bit damaging to... Yeah, the legacy, maybe. the legacy of the group. I don't know. That's Yeah, mate, I, I think it's... Uh, to be honest, the reason that they don't get mentioned that much is because I think that they suffer from what we spoke about earlier, which is this, like, perceived idea that they're sort of soft and that they were a bit more poppy because they'd had so much success in, right. the, in the charts. And I just think that they get forgotten about. And I do think you're right. I actually think that the album has, like, transcended the group. And like the score, like if you said to anyone, like hip hop fan or not, what do you think of the score? Most people are like, what a great album, it's brilliant. But I think if you said to like hip hop fans, oh, do you like, are you a fan of the Fugees? Yeah. I think that there aren't that many who'd be like, oh yeah, Fugees are fucking hard. I like, know what you mean. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I just I think it's one of them where it's like the album's got the legendary status and perhaps the group hasn't. But as individuals, you know, Lauren and Wycliffe and Plus, like they did yeah. their own thing, I think people like that. But it was just one of those moments in time where the collective team that that worked on the score it was just the coming together of some some genius people really wasn't it yeah mate for sure um do you have a favorite like lyric or verse from this album that like really stands out to you yeah i'm gonna mention how many mics yeah again because i just love wycliffe's opening lyric yeah i used to be underrated now i take time now i take iron makes my shit constantly <laughs> i just yeah. think that whole lyric and actually like it's like i said earlier it was a, it's a really good introduction like to the album we had a question about Wycliffe as a rapper I think you yeah we'll get that. to that we'll get to that but um yeah for me um I'm gonna I'm gonna say that because like back in the day when I was younger and that like, listening to that album for the first time I just always used to make me kind of smile mm. and uh, I just think it's a great lyric yeah also personal yeah no it's, no it's great show and it's a good like say so it's a really good start to the album that kind of introduces everyone the individual yeah. characters and yeah. stuff um, there's a couple one is just this is a one line that I always thought was quite cool I think his prize as well actually is that I stay on top of shit like a fly mm. that I was always like 
you know, it's a bit of a thinker, and then you're like, oh shit, yeah, yeah that's yeah, pretty yeah, clever. Right, yeah. But my favorite lyric <clears throat> is from my favorite track, which is F- Family Business, and it's Prize. It's the opening. In fact, all of their verses on this track, they come hard. Like right, every single one of them's amazing. It's the track, isn't it? It, it really is. Track. Like it really stands out to me, and it's, it'd be the one, it is the one that I listen to separate to the album. You put I it just, on a playlist. One hundred percent. I play yeah, it on my show. Like I, I think it's it's really good hip hop. Yeah, yeah. But Prize's first verse is fucking brilliant. So it goes this. Where I was born, nothing is promised. My life is filled with less hope than the prophecies of Nostradamus. Omega marks the ending of predictability, birth of agility. Who will it be to test me and expose their futility? Iron like a lion from Zion, stop trying so hard. I think I smell your brain cells frying. The family's behind you if you're worthy. Philosophies develop deep in the back streets of dirty Jersey. Troops with scully hats and Timberland boots. No more breakdancing for loot. Brothers hustle and shoot in the garden state. It grows stink weeds and criminals. Government funds are minimal. Oppression subliminal. Jeez, mate, that's um, and the 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 prose and the rhyming pattern in that is oh, just unbelievable. You know the the you know we we, we talk about yeah like internal rhymes and unbelievable like it's genius. It's, it, and, and and the way he flows over the tune where it's that kind of quick. Yeah. And it hits right. like when you hear it, like it hits and fits so nicely. Yeah. And this is why hopefully we're going to have Tony D um, come on soon because I really want to get into like technical stuff with sure. him about like wordplay and inner rhyme schemes and, and, and all the detail yeah. of it. Because that to me is like when you have an instrumental, there's one thing just to rhyme in time. And there's a whole other thing to like make your rhyme scheme fit the instrumental and hit yeah. certain points. Yeah. And I think that particular first verse is, is just amazing is. for him. And, and you know after that, Wycliffe follows with his, yeah. these days. These. Exactly. It's, it's, just so, it's yeah. amazing. And then Lauren's verse is incredible. Oh, mate, oh, mate, the whole thing. It is, you're right. They, they all turn up for that. Yeah. That's just, I don't know what it is about that, but it really is like, to me, it's the perfect blend of all of them. Mm. And it just hits so hard. It's, it's, yeah. it's absolute tune. You're right. Um, so... The singles, um, we've spoken like kind of quite a few times now about how huge they were, Killing Me Softly, Ready or Not, etc. Um, I remember like when they when they came out, you mentioned obviously like in the car park and stuff, but I just remember like it's quite weird really thinking about it, like school discos. <laughs> yeah. Like they just it like Killing Me Softly would come on and it'd be like so brown, weird, brown, yeah. brown, 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 and everyone would be like, Yeah, and like get around and start like sort of slow dancing. Yeah, yeah. Boys on one side, girls on the other. Fucking weird, like so fucking weird. But that's mate, you know that that's because we're Suburb, like, yeah, mate, totally. I'm sure, yeah. So, school discos where you're wearing like your like Adidas poppers, Ben Sherman shirt, your Ben Sherman shirt, your Adidas Galaxy trainers, or Nike Windrunners. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're just trying to be a boss, like, you're just trying to live the dream, the Lynx Africa yeah, dream. And, and you know, if you're if you're snogging a girl, mm. or even just getting a kiss from a girl, I mean, you, you've you're literally buzzing. made it, you're yeah, buzzing, yeah. You know, you'd had a good night when you got home and your face was covered in glitter. Yeah, that's right. You know, you'd absolutely nailed it. And you smell of CK1. Yeah. Do you remember um, when it was like kids' parties like that? So we were like, what, like 11 to say 14, this sort I guess of age so, range. Yeah. Or maybe younger, yeah, like 10, yeah, 11 to say like 30. Did, you know, when you go to these parties, like, oh, I'm having a disco for my party. And then it'd just be like at Todd Village Hall, get there for six and then go on till like nine or whatever. Yeah. What did you take as your present? Because everyone used to take... I used to take... My dad always used to buy them. Absolute classic Ian Pittman special. Um, mint matchmakers. That's a great shout. Fucking solid. And a card. That's a great, great present. And he'd just go, there you go, I've got you a present. Mint, ma- like, mint matchmakers. Not wrapped, just on their own. Yeah. And a card. It's a good one. And I mean, I honestly don't know, mate. I, I can't remember. Did I even take a present? Do you know what was the classic? Tuba Smarties. That was, that was always good. good. It was always like chocolate, really, like the big bars of dairy yeah. milk. 
like um, variety pack or something mm. like that. Something that your parents could pick up on the way, basically. Yeah, exactly. I remember... Um, oh, no, no, I'm not going to say no, that. No, go on. No, no, I, I went to a Valentine's disco once. <laughs> this is going to be classic. <laughs> and um, I went... I'm not going to mention the name, man. It was a long, long time ago. But basically, like... Um, went to the disco and I'd got a Valentine's date for the disco uh, and um, I was basically saying to my mum I was like oh, I want to I want to get some flowers for my Valentine's date classic. and so everybody else was turning up with um, it's such a shit story I don't want to tell it um, <laughs> everyone else was turning up with like bunches of roses uh. but basically like because we could only stop at this little shop in Shillington <laughs> which is a little village in England or yeah, whatever. Um, and basically, the only thing that they had for sale were these little pots. <laughs> had a little rose Fuck growing in it. Sake. It was just basically like a little stick with some leaves oh, coming out. Mate. And so I bought that. Uh. <laughs> and that. That is so And that was shit. my gift to my Valentine. Fuck. And it was like everybody else was getting these like bunches of roses. And then I gave her this little pot with a stick sticking out of leaves. <laughs> And that, yeah, that was my romantic career over. Yeah, it turned out it didn't yeah. end well. She's no, no longer well. Valentine. Yeah. Hopefully she's, she's doing it right there. Yeah. Oh, that's is. good. I once went out with a girl in uh, upper school. I won't mention her name either, but um, hopefully she's doing all right. Um, and she dumped me. And the reason, she's like she was Nostradamus because she went to me. Uh, yeah, the reason it's over is um, you just eat too many Mars bars. And I think it's <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> and this was when I was slim. So, so now... Harsh. But it's, she's nailed it, don't she? She's taken one look and gone, you carry on doing that. When you get to like mid-twenties, that you're going to balloon. Yeah, she's got out of it early, hasn't she? She's, yeah, she's laughing. And she's seen um, that coming. Yeah, and she was, she's a lovely girl and actually turned out to be like an all right yeah. mate of mine. So yeah, well done. Yeah. Um, right, let's get into some listener questions. Um, first of all, just all the um, tracks we mentioned in the show, um, we put into a Spotify playlist. If you just search for the Notorious Podcast Joints, you should find it. Um, the link's everywhere on all of our shit, so you should be able to find it if you can't, so let us know. Uh, we've got a question from uh, Crate808 Podcast. Now, that is actually going to be coming very soon. Keep an eye out for it. Essentially, it's kind of like, if you think of Room 101 for hip-hop albums, so they take a couple of different contributors, all get in the studio, they bring an album from the, the golden era, and you have to fight your case for it. Mm. So um, yeah. you and I are hopefully going to get in to do one right. of the episodes, but it's going to be like... Um, released as a complete series so you can like listen to the whole thing in, in its entirety okay. so it's going to be great and it's, it's run by a guy called Camby who's a proper 90s hip hop head so shouts to you uh, but he's asked us a bit of a controversial question uh, he's asked us how bad a rapper is Wycliffe out of 10 10 being the worst you've ever heard so I'm getting the feeling um, that the Crate 808 podcast are not a not fan, fan of Wycliffe <laughs> Um, I've always been fairly um, partial to Wycliffe as a like musician. I must admit, I don't massively rate him as a straight up rapper. I just more respect his genius. Mm, mm. But I'd probably give him like a like a solid seven. Okay. I mean, I think that's a reasonable score. Hold on, hold on. Let's. What, oh shit! Is Ten is the worst, isn't so you're, it? You were saying three. Really. So yeah, yeah, three. Sorry. So you were saying yeah. Yeah, so, sorry. So man. that's that's where you'd you'd score. Yeah. It. I don't know, mate. I don't know. I mean, I. I was really surprised when I saw that tweet. It's brutal, isn't it? And I was thinking, oh shit, like, do I like, do I think of myself as like any lesser a hip hop fan because actually I quite like him. Mm. Like, I always really liked his solo career. Yeah. I like Carnival. The Carnival's amazing, yeah. 
I like Masquerade actually. Mm. Fucking hell, like there's probably hip hop fans going, what the fuck is yeah. this guy talking about? But then it's each to their own, isn't it? Like there's so many people out there that have Lil Wayne in the top five and they're deadly serious about Which it. I think he's the biggest piece of shit. If you like Lil Wayne, I'm just telling you now, he's fucking garbage, mate. Yeah, I know. Dog I, shit. I, 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 and people go ballistic listening to this, saying, like, I, I think Wycliffe's all right and he's dog shit. But this is the beauty of um, yeah. hip-hop, is that we all hate each other's opinions. Sure. And we all think our favourite rapper's the best. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's what the beauty of it, mate, so don't yeah. feel bad. I, I, I would um, agree with your... Probably agree with your three. I might even be tempted to give him a two. Damn. So on the other end of the scale. I just... I don't... I think if you think of him as a rapper, that's incorrect he's not a rapper yeah he's a musician yeah okay and, that, and perhaps that sounds a bit flouncy yeah but i do believe that the guy um he brings a lot more doesn't he? Uh, so much that. more yeah so much fair enough okay well we've got another question from um holly hall who is um one half of my other podcast man's not what i'm in um, a seat right now probably yeah that's fair mate actually how, how you find it yeah all right warm yeah, yeah. moist yeah <laughs> that's you that's your right yeah, that's your sweaty ass mate um, she's asked us very very simple question would you rather never ever have a delicious bath again or never ever be able to eat hummus again so you've got to lose one basically from I'm just trying to yeah I'm just trying to get my head around so you can never have a bath I mean you can still shower and stuff Def- definitely not eat hummus you're not bothered about hummus no I, I, losing a heartbeat you like hummus though I love baths yeah, baths are sick. Mate, I mean, that's mental. I mean, what we're talking about there, like... Because, yeah. all right, you know, I mean, baths could vary, couldn't they? I mean, they could be like a Roman bath in like mm. an incredible yeah. place in Spark. the world. Mm. You know, whereas hummus is just hummus. Yeah, and also, hummus is a, like kind of a new thing to life. Like, we've sort of been alive for a lot of it. But most, like the first half of my life, no one fucking ate hummus. Exactly. Like no one, so obviously I'd survive. I was just like, then. oh, I can't eat hummus. Oh well, I'll I'll dip my crisps in a in a Tex Mex. Yeah, uh, give me a salsa. You know, like the ones that are in a fork. Yeah, I'll just get that. Yeah, exactly. I fucking, don't need hummus. You fucking idiot, Holly. What shit? That is the shittiest question we've ever had. I, I love baths. Like, there's nothing better than lowering yourself, John. Mm. Alan's a, deep bath <laughs> into a bubbly bath. It is so good, and. I, I've got a little shelf in my bathroom, so I can put the iPad on there and watch shit and just so, kick back. Exactly. It's fucking sick, mate. Um, all oh, right. It is. Who cares about hummus? Yeah, fuck hummus. Um, okay, well, look, thanks very much for listening. If you've made it this far, we appreciate you because I guess a lot of people just go, oh, these lot of fucking boring men <laughs> talking about fucking hummus. Um, but if you're not following us already uh, on Twitter, you can. It's at NotoriousP underscore O underscore D. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at the real John Bass. That's J O N B A S. Um, you can listen to our Spotify playlist. Like I said before, just search for the Notorious Podcast Joints. Um, Gaz, anything going on? Uh, nothing, mate. Just all, all, uh, yeah, personal related stuff. Just busy at not normal. Pop, yeah, just, normal just stuff. Yeah, just stuff going down. That's um, good. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if my barber's going to listen to this actually. But incidentally, I was just talking about the podcast today. Oh, give him so a shout, shout out, Shout out to my barber. Yeah, Matt. He's a good lad. What's really the shop lad. called? Um, it's called Kang's Barbers in Hitchin. So if you live that way, go and, go and get yourself Definitely, a nice fresh cut. Fuck me. It's a great barber. It's one of these barbers, right, that's just, it's not really about cutting hair. It's about a group of people getting together 
there's a fridge in there, there's tunes on. A bit more social. It's the nicest barbers I've been to for a long time, to be fair. There it's, we go. It's just got a nice feel. And if um, you're interested in sponsoring a podcast, let, exactly. let us know. Yeah. Um, just one more thing, yeah. I mentioned there um, Holly from uh, Man's Not What. Man's Not What is basically... Um, Holly doesn't know anything about like popular culture or the news or anything that's going on. So uh, each week uh, I educate her on basically three of the biggest stories this week that's been happening online. And we talk about it, have some fun, have some loves. Really easy to listen to. It comes out every Monday, so you can listen to it on your way to work. Um, it's a nice, easy listen. So yeah, if you want to check that out, that'd be very kind of you. Um, we are going to record our first bonus episode, which is going to be about a grime album, and it's Kano's. Um, home sweet home so that'll be up soon and thanks very much for listening as always get ready for the next episode peace this is notorious pod the name's john bass on this mic i brought a couple man alongside of me i got gary roy smith in the place to boot we got murder stats and guests galore You know we're talking real hip-hop folklore And we're gonna cover all the goddamn classics Notorious P.O.D. We're gonna smash it Peace